Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is KJ and Lions. KJ Carson and John Lyons right now on WEEI. Yeah, KJ and Lions, WEEI, 617-779-7937, text line 37937. The action music you hear right now, John, is like those bad guys are like, we've got to save the season, or it all gets blown away. Hurry, run fast. They're hopping over cars and everything. John, I ask you, can the Patriots save this season? And cut. Yeah, well, KJ, uh, welcome back on with you. It's been a couple weeks, and you start us out with a loaded question here because uh, can they save their season? Technically, yes, but they would have to win five games in a row, which I don't think we've seen any evidence that they can do that because they would have to beat Washington tomorrow, Indianapolis in Germany next week. Then, of course, they have the bye week. Then they have the Giants, the Chargers, and the Steelers, which in theory – all winnable games there, and that would actually put them to 7-6 and six before they play Kansas City on a Monday night. But when you look back at their season so far, I mean, we thought New Orleans was a winnable game. We thought Vegas was a winnable game, and they didn't win either of those. So technically, yes, it's possible, but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't really put it very high on the uh, likely meter, if you will. Let me put on my scriptwriter director's yeah. hat on here. Like, let's not get too far into the movie, John, right? Yeah. I don't want to really discuss December, but if you have a if you have a favorable November, because this is now where what you've seen from the Patriots over the last couple of weeks, even the last week was a loss. If you feel like you've got Washington and they don't have their two best, they've traded off their best pass rushers, you've got the Giants who, like, let's just call it what it was, whoever pretty much drank the last sip of Gatorade won that game against the Jets last week. And then you've got a situation with Indianapolis overseas in Germany with a backup quarterback. So in this in this action movie, you know, when they, when they go to defuse a bomb or they go to rescue somebody, there's still a chance. But I'm not saying for the whole season. I'm just saying for the immediate future, things can happen for the Patriots that we just have not had the conversations for. But I also believe this is the last train and the last hope that things can happen positively for this team for the season. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, if they don't go 2-0 and in their next two weeks, then their season is over. Because if you're going to have seven losses going into the bye, or dare I say even eight, you're out of the playoffs at that point. And I think that's why tomorrow is really important. You mentioned Washington getting rid of their two best pass rushers in a trade at the trade deadline, excuse me, this week. But, I mean, Washington's offense, and I know we're going to get into this more later in the show, right. but, I mean, they can put up points. So you, the Patriots are still going to have to score in this game. And I, I think it's it's really critical if they want to salvage anything. They, they have to win the next two weeks. 
Good Saturday to you, KJ and Lions on WEEI 617-779-7937, text line 37937. Tommy Curran earlier on Gresham Fourier this week, here he is on his thoughts of where the Pat season is heading. Yeah, I think we're suckered by the fact that they were so competitive against the Eagles in the opener and then for a while against the Dolphins. But even look at that Jets game, and they're holding on by a fingertip, and they get shredded on a late drive by Zach Wilson to bring the Jets within a hair's breadth because at the beginning of the second half, their offense just folded in on itself. This is a team that has the fourth overall pick right now. They may well still wind up in the top five. So the question now becomes, do you want Bill Belichick to be the one in charge of a top five pick and $100 million worth of cap space? Do you want him in charge of that? Do you want him setting the course for this team when he's had the ability to set the course and make $172 million worth of decisions in 2021 and come back with Nelson Aguilar and Jonu Smith and the draft decisions that he's made? Do you want Bill to continue to make the decisions for your offensive team? That's a tough question. And the reason why I say it's a tough question is because with the Patriots being the worst in the AFC right now, right, and there's still some other things to happen, you're like, Come on, Arizona. We need. (laughs) Thank goodness they're not putting Kyler Murray in there, right? So there are some things going on in the NFC that you wonder. Hey, could it? Because if the Patriots end up at five, and there are two teams that need quarterbacks ahead, then do you really? I think the question would be: Do you expect Bill to make a move to watch this trade up to go get what you need? And 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 we'll get into the quarterback conversation of you know Drake May and Caleb Williams later. But I think when it comes down to we're talking about can they savage the season, I think really they have to go one and zero this week. I mean, it's like really that's where we're at right now because if you're talking about a two and seventeen going off to Germany next week, tell me the fan base is not going to really pull themselves up by the bootstraps and be up at nine in the morning to watch the Patriots potentially lose an eighth game in Germ in German. Yeah, and. With the Patriots going forward, too, we talked about salvaging the season. Like, the best-case scenario, the ideal scenario is, hey, they fully salvage it and they make the playoffs. But, KJ, I think a close second. That's a dream scenario. Yeah, yeah, a close second to me. And if you're a Patriots fan, especially if they lose either of the next two weeks, you should be really rooting for this, is if they get a top-five pick, but Mac Jones plays great the rest of the season. Because then you can take that top-five pick and draft the best offensive tackle available or Marvin Harrison Jr., and then you're really in much better shape than you are right now. So that really, to me, like the ideal dream scenario, yeah, they they turn it fully around, they make the playoffs, right? But close behind that, I mean, if you can say at the end of the season, hey, we have a top five pick, but Mac Jones you know, looks great and we're going to keep him around and pick up that fifth-year option and he's going to be our guy, then it really helps you out in 2024 and going forward, which at this point is what most of our eyes are, eyes are on anyway. I can't see how at any – I don't care if Mac Jones throws for four touchdowns in every game and has a QB rating of like 120, like the perfect number that it is. If he has that for every game still through the rest of the year, I'm management, I'm still sitting on whether I offer him the fifth-year option just because I've seen more body of work of stuff that hasn't been impressive – and suddenly you're getting good grades. It's, it's it's like me in high school, right? Like, oh, suddenly you're getting better grades as you're getting closer to the summer? Yeah, because my ass didn't want to be in the house for the summer or in summer school. So you start picking it up probably around Easter. And you say, okay, you know, all that all the stuff during the winter, they were still going to give me stuff for Christmas anyway. I, I just don't – I think that I think that check has already been written for Mac Jones that, look, dude, your fourth year is going to be your last year. 
Maybe you could play your face off in that, but we're not going to give you the fifth year at the end of this year, even if it's great the rest the rest of the way. I think what's probably more realistic is, you know, could this team potentially get to six and six? <laughs> you know, after facing when, when they're facing the Chargers in at the beginning of December, like can can you get it to six and six by December third? Right, I think that's probably a more realistic fight that they could be discussing than anything of getting to the playoffs, making this great run, going undefeated, all the all the stuff that happens in dreams where you're wiping stuff and crap out of your eyes. Yeah, and like you said, they got to go one and zero this week, right? And I know that's hey, stating the obvious, they got to go one and zero this week, but. It's a really pivotal game, I think, for not just them and their playoff chances, but you talked about the fifth-year option with Mac Jones. Last year, or this past spring, only, I think, 14 of the fifth-year options available were actually picked up, and Jeff Okuna was traded and Jordan Love got a mini extension. So that means 16 fifth-year options were flat-out declined. So it's not a sure thing to begin with. And then you go into a season where you had a bad year last year, you're not playing that well this year aside from the Buffalo game and part of the Philly game. So, I mean, this is a pivotal, pivotal stretch for his future in New England. You said yourself you wouldn't pick it up no matter what he does. And right. I can see what I can see that. But I think if he plays great the rest of the year, then it becomes a conversation. Because if you ask me right now, like if season ended today, they're probably not picking that option up no matter what. If he plays great the rest of the year, then at least you can have a conversation. Yeah, but do you think Mac Jones is a uh, – is, is a Franchise tag guy, you, you think there's situ- if they find themselves in a situation after a fourth year, they look Mac has yeah. been great for the last year and a half. Do you franchise tag him uh, and and at the average of the top five quarterbacks in the league? I mean, if he's great for a year and a half, then yes. But that would be <laughs> he's great for a year and a half. <laughs> you like, hear the conversation different. about Daniel Otherwise, Jones in New York, right? Other, yeah, but Daniel <laughs> Jones, I think that was just a mistake. Like I don't think he was really that good. I mean, well, the he, reason he, why they did that was because numbers, but well, I don't think he was that good. Well, but the reason why they did that is because if they franchised him, then you'd have to ha- give him the average of the top five quarterbacks in the league, and everybody's getting in that fifty range. So Daniel, so they save like ten million dollars by not franchise tagging Daniel Jones. And I think you might have a situation with Mac Jones where you say, wow, after four years, do we feel like it's more of a regression or progression? And do you franchise tag him? And 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 here's the conversation. Do you have does the fan base feel comfortable thinking of Mac Jones as a forty eight million dollar a year quarterback? Yeah, well, and I think you're actually to me, if you're unsure about a guy, I'd almost rather you franchise him. Like you mentioned Daniel Jones. If they franchise Woo! him, if they franchise him, hear me out. If they franchise him and he sucked this year, then you could just move on, whatever, get a high draft pick. Now they're on the hook for money over multiple years. Like, I'd rather pay a bigger bill up front. And, and then, hey, if he's good, then you extend him. And if he's not, you can move on pretty quickly and you're not paying dead money, you know, and worrying about it for two, three, four years down the line, which we see now guys on their – like Jonu Smith's not here and it's still a dead cap issue, right? There's still yeah. other guys aren't here that they're paying money to. Like, I don't want that to be – like, when they're done – with a player, and let's say this case, like I want them to be done with him and not be worrying about dead money or paying bills for two, three, four years down the line. Yeah, so that that's why I wonder if these next three games will be kind of the 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 beginning chapters of either the end or the continuation of the Mac Jones story, sure. right? Because if these next three games, like I said, like if you're Washington, right, you almost feel as if. Montez Sweat and 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 Chase Young don't need to be there for you to win the next week because now I think and we'll get a little further into the game here in a minute is that it's really Belichick 
is getting tested by the enemy again, right? You mentioned that Washington could put up points, so it's clearly a, a direct line to the enemy. And I, you say, if you had to give me Sam Howell or Mac Jones to start a football game right now, I'm going to take Mac Jones. So you almost wonder to yourself, like, well, what are, what are they doing that they could take someone who I would consider below Mac Jones's talent? They don't have a great offensive line. All right, they've got receivers that they've gotten through the draft because they were that bad. And I always say you have to apply that to the Patriots is that they've never been that bad to go get like a Terry McLaurin to have their right as a number one, right? So it's going to be, it might not be pretty if Washington gets up 21 early. Yeah, but even Terry McLaurin, they picked him at 13th overall. It's not like it was a top five top six pick. Well, but if you're but, if you you're know, taking a if you're taking uh, but, a guy but, if you're taking a guy above 15, 15 and above, right? Yeah. You're you're now in an area where okay, when we pay out a bonus when we pay out like their contract and how extension looks, it looks different than say a Debo Samuel in the second round or DJ Metcalf in the second round. So, yeah, I mean the Patriots like look, what Mac Jones was what 13th? 15th. 15th, yeah. right? So and Gonzalez, they had a higher pick and traded down to 17 to get Gonzalez, too. Right. So, so the Patriots haven't even been at 13th, and I don't know how long uh, they have. The only, yeah, so in Belichick's tenure, they've only had two top 10 picks. One was Richard Seymour in 01, right. and the other was Gerard Mayo in 08. So it's been 15 years since they've had a top 10 pick. And you mentioned Sam Howell. Look, I, I still believe Mac Jones can turn his career around and, and be a good quarterback, but right now, Look, Sam Howell's sixth in the league in yards. He's sixth in touchdowns. He has thrown the second most interceptions. So it's a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde there. But, I mean, based off the last couple months, I'd probably lean towards taking Sam Howell if I have to win a game, you know, on October, excuse me, on November 5th tomorrow. We'll see how it plays out tomorrow. But I think he's his body of work this year has been better than Mac Jones's. You are hanging out with KJ and Lines on WEEI 617-779-7937, text line 37937. Still to come, the Lions Den. We throw them to the Lions or we pet them like meows. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We're back to KJ and Lions on WEI. 
let's put the Patriot way to bed. It was the Tom Brady way. Cincinnati wins now. Why? Joe Burrow. Kansas City dominates the AFC. Why? I love Andy Reid, but it's Patrick Mahomes. It was the Brady way. Proximity to greatness, and I've said this before, does not equal greatness. Many of Belichick's assistants and coordinators have been the league's biggest busts. Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, and none of Brady's backups or coordinators are running the league. Proximity is mostly nonsense. I mean, Phil Jackson, where's his great coaching tree? Bill Belichick, look at his coaching tree. Basically, they both had an all-time great player. Oh, that, that the leads. KJ in lines, W-E-E-I, 617-779-7937, text line 37937. John, I, I have to say this. That's Colin Cowherd going off on a spiel, more like a clock and spiel, if you will. Okay, the Patriot way is really three tenets. What is it? Do your job, manage expectations, go all in for team. That doesn't have to do with Tom Brady. That has to do with the team. So when I hear people say or pundits say like, oh, the Patriot way is dead. It's like what? People aren't doing their jobs? No, if you don't have as quality of people overall on the team, the job is going to be harder. But I'm not going to say that people aren't doing their job. That, that that that's the craziest thing. It's I don't know. It's I have a lot of friends of mine who have no have no they've never been north of New York, and they're like, "How is Boston?" And before I can tell them how Boston is, they're already saying five things. I'm like, "Well, damn! If you ain't been there, how can you tell me five things?" Yeah, this is the narrative I don't get. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, a quick correction, uh, KJ. Terry McLaurin was taken in the third round. Before I oh, could really? even correct that, we had somebody text in right away. Yeah, they did take Jahan Dotson in the first round. That's who was um, the first round yeah, guy they took. Yeah, and yes. Terry McLaurin, I guess, technically was the 13th pick just in the third round. So, 13th uh, round. Yeah, so before I could even correct three. that, we had a Washington fan texting in asking me what I was talking about. So, Oh, yeah, you. well, that's why they're in a yeah, text line. Yeah, right? pre- appreciate the text. Apply so, but, for the but, job. Yeah. But, but the guy, <laughs> you know, he is right. He is right. And Terry McLaurin was third round pick. But, yeah, look. I think your point about the Patriot way, like what are the tenets of it? They're still there, but I think it's become clear over the past few years that the most important piece of the Patriot way was Tom Brady. And what I mean by that is when you have not just the best player on your team, but the best player in the history of the sport fully buying in and doing all those things, right? then everybody else falls in line. It's like the classic thing like in an organization the first follower is just as if not more important than the leader because without the first follower no one else is going to follow and the leader's just you know out there by himself so right. tom brady was that key like if you're a guy you know pick any free agent you want that's come here over the years or anybody they've drafted i mean if you're stefan gilmore and you walk into a meeting room and you see tom brady getting lit up well then you're gonna just fall in line when you get lit up on film or something right. like so i think that's that's the thing like are the tenants of it still there sure but the talent isn't there, which is the most important piece. But close second is, you know, when you have a player of that caliber buying in, and it goes beyond Brady too, you know, guys like Bruski, Will Fork, all these guys who were great players, but then also bought into what the program was about because it's not an easy program to play for. That's what gets you the other 50, 51, 52 guys to buy in. And when you add talent on top of that, that's why you're the best team in the league for two decades. Well, yeah, and the other part of it is if you manage expectations, I think that's the stage that, you know, the fan base is in right now. Is like, how would anybody believe that this team would be a double-digit win team within the last two years? 
No. Last three years? No. You knew that was going to you knew that was no longer going to be the case. Even Tom's last year here, that was very arduous. I'm, I'm pulling a Breslow. It was very arduous and demanding. You're right and though. Ex- extrapolating from the soul. That was a good one, wasn't it? Right? Yeah, no, I, but it really it, was. I, yeah, because I mean, they remember he said, "I'm the most miserable eight no quarterback in the, the right. history of the league." And then yeah. they went what four and four down the stretch to finish yeah. twelve and four. They lose it was, a wild card game. That remember even Edelman yeah. dropped a pass in that. Like just weird stuff right. happened, and it, it really kind of felt like the end for most of the season too. He even put his house on the market before the season started. Exactly. And, you know, he had the void, <laughs> the no franchise provision in the contract. Like it was. You're right. I mean, that was a weird year, and since he left. The stories like, of Giselle looking for schools in, t- in Tennessee for the kids and stuff yeah. like that, all that stuff. Yeah, but I think, like in the last few years, and, and look, I've been a Patriots fan my whole life. I never expected them to, you know, sleepwalk their way to ten wins like they could do under Brady. Not that they right. ever really sleptwalk, but just that they could wake up and hey, we're going to have ten wins this year at least. I didn't expect that to be the same, but I think in fairness, KJ, you know, when you go ten and seven in twenty twenty one, I think it was reasonable to expect in twenty two and twenty three. That you are going to keep at least being in that playoff hunt, like winning records, whether it be nine and eight, whether it be maybe squeak into ten and seven. And you know, last year they were in the playoff hunt at the end of the season, but they still ultimately had a losing record. Now they're two and six. Like even without Tom, I, this is below what the expectation should be. Yeah, Stephen Franklin, thanks for calling KJ and Lines on WEEI. You're on the air. Hey, what's going on, guys? You, Steve. Hey, here's the deal. If I'm the Chargers. Colin Hurd hit the nail right in the head, what you guys played, right? If if it, it's Brady, it's Mahomes. Then you need a good coach to make it all happen, to, 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 to finish it off. If I'm the Chargers, I offer the Patriots first-round draft pick for Bill Belichick. They say no, I give them two first-round draft picks. If they say no, I make them an offer, to quote Marlon Brando, I make them an offer they can't refuse, you put Belichick with that kid Herbert, and they're in every single AFC championship or thereabouts. They're hunting. They ain't Steve. hunting with this kid out there, that, that, that coach. Not happening. Yeah, Steve, thanks for the call. So, Johnny, he brings up something interesting because, obviously, there was conversation this week about Belichick potentially being traded to the, to the commanders. And, 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 and here's the thing that I think people have to understand about Belichick is – he really looks towards the trajectory of Paul Brown. Paul Brown, who's the founder of the Browns, fired by the Browns, went and got him from a franchise in Cincinnati, created the Cincinnati Bengals. So if Belichick is going to go out, he's going to go out an owner, right? So you can't tell me that, hey, we're going to charge, we're going to charade Belichick, say, to the Chargers, and he's just going to be a coach. If Belichick is going anywhere else, there is going to be ownership stake for him to be there. So you would he potentially be part of an ownership group and still the coach and GM? Maybe Washington could offer that, but there's just so much you'd have to offer that what Steve is talking about is go get a veteran quarterback if you don't believe in the quarterback you have now. Yeah, and Jones and Mego talked this week about Belichick maybe following that Red Auerbach model where he stopped coaching in 1966, but then for three decades was an executive kind of pulling the strings, building teams. And I could see him maybe doing something like that. But I think first and foremost, like even if the Patriots want to move on from, he's still going to want to coach, I think, after this year. And the Chargers are interesting, but to me, the two at the top of the list should be Washington and Dallas. Like Dallas, to me, the the caller talked to Stephen Franklin about, oh, they'd be in the AFC championship game every year. And they, they might be close to it. Maybe they would be in it several years. If you put 
a good coaching staff with that Dallas Cowboys roster? I mean, how many times have we and, seen them wait, fail? Wait. Because and make Bill part owner? Will Bill be part owner? I don't. Well, Jerry Jones wouldn't allow. Okay, that. that's I'm the just poison pill, football, right? Football yeah. sense wise, well, who knows? Maybe Stephen Jones says, "Hey, Jerry's, you know, not going to be the owner in ten years. We'll let Bill." Be part owner, you know. Who knows how that Maybe works. maybe they but, do it in Washington. Bills from he's from Washington, the Annapolis area, right? You, you, right, because you kind of already have kind of the kind of a, an, an accessible ownership group. Magic Johnson's part of it. The guy who owns the uh, Commanders also owns the 76ers. So there's kind of like a open door situation, kind of like we have in Miami, uh, just probably with a little bit of better common sense. Where okay, that could be a possibility if you're asking, but that's I think that's already set up for. Eric Bieniemy to be the next head coach. So I don't see Belichick moving to Washington where you bring in Bieniemy to be the next coach. I mean, it's almost like, you know, hiring Sam Cassell to be an assistant coach if things don't go right with the Celtics, right? So I yeah, I don't I just I just can't fathom that there's going to be this one for one or a couple of things for a couple of things trade for Belichick services unless you're offering some type of ownership in the in, in the company. Yeah, and the thing about Washington, too, is, and look, I, I believe Belichick is a much better coach than Rivera is as a head coach or Biennemi would be, but. Than anybody but, in the league. But if they finish the year close to the playoffs and Sam Howell continues to look good and looks like a franchise QB, they might not want to make a move. They might say, hey, we want Biennemi working directly with Sam Howell as he grows, much like he did as Patrick Mahomes grew, and we want him to be the OC, and the only way he's going to be the OC is if we keep Ron Rivera's head coach. So that's another kind of – and look, as I said, Belichick would be an upgrade over Rivera, but if they really want their potential franchise QB to work specifically with Biennemi, then they might – not make a change because it might prevent that from happening. So really what people are wanting to see is Belichick go somewhere where the team within the last five years has been bad enough to draft well and are still pretty bad to still have high picks to draft, right? And again, I, I try and get it across to people here in New England, like when, like even when you go back to Sony Michelle, what, he was like 28th in the first round, right? So when you're picking really below 21, you're a playoff team. You're a playoff team, and you're always if you're always in that situation, you're not going to get the cream of the crop, and you're not going to spend a lot of money to go find gems in the rough because you believe you already have a system in place. And, and this is this is the other interesting thing, John, is if the game is moving Belichick by so badly as some people are saying, then why are you willing? Why why would any franchise be willing to give up whatever they want to get him? Right, right. So I mean, yeah, if you don't don't think he's good anymore, you know, why yeah. would you give up? a couple first round picks but look if i'm if i'm bill right i only want to be traded to a team that can win the super bowl with me in year 1 year 2 max like if i'm going to go to a team that's still up and coming i might as well just stay and try to fix the patriots right like cuz what why would you go somewhere else start all over with a team that still might not be really good for two or three more years like that's the thing the chargers have the talent where if they just had better coaching and a better organization they would be a contender to be in the AFC Championship game. Dallas, same thing, right? They just make stupid mistakes in the playoffs, it feels like, every year. But the talent is there to go deep in the playoffs. Like, that's the team. Like, that's why some people, they mention, oh, would he want to go back to the Giants or Chicago? No, like, those teams are not going to be good for mm. two or three more years. So, to me, if I'm Bill, that's that's off the table for me. Like, I'm only going to a team where I can walk in and be a Super Bowl contender pretty quickly, which is why also with Washington – they're not on that level, but I think they're closer than some of the – like if Sam Howell ends up being the guy, they have some good pieces on offense. I know they traded Montez Sweat, and he just signed an extension with the Bears, by the way, and Chase yeah. Young. 
But they still have some good pieces on that defense. Cameron Curl's a really good safety. They have Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. Like they have some. Right. If they can have a good offseason, and then you add a guy like Bill, okay, then then maybe that can be a ten- contender. But just some of these other teams, it just makes no sense because why would he at age seventy two want to start over for a team that's going to suck? You might as well just stay here and try to fix the Pats. KJ and Lions on WEEI six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Text line 37937, 10 minutes away from the Lions' den. Plus, we still got Celtics to get to, hottest team in the NBA. That NBA tournament in Vegas, I'm still trying to figure out who is what. That's still to come here. So the other part is the knock on Bill's coaching tree. And I would say, and, and, and a lot of people know this, superstars tend to not have superstar children. Pete Rose Jr. never became Pete Rose, right? Frank Sinatra Jr. did not croon like Frank Sinatra Sr. And why would you expect that all of these people, because Belichick is still coaching, right, that these people to have some success? Really, if you would say if any of them have any area of success, it was Bill O'Brien during a couple of years in Houston where they made the run for the playoffs, right? Yeah, O'Brien had a winning uh, record overall in Houston, I believe. And also, right. I would put Brian Flores in there. Like, winning seasons, right. back-to-back years, he never should have been fired. That was ridiculous. So, But the thing about that, KJ, too, like, you make the point about, oh, superstars don't have, like, superstar kids. Right. I think Flores and O'Brien, of all the Belichick coaching tree disciples that have gotten head coaching jobs, those are the two most independent-minded to me. And I right. think that's part of it, too. Like, Bill O'Brien did not start his career coaching with the Patriots. He came here, spent a lot of years here, but he right. was still an independent guy, went to college first, then the NFL uh, from Penn State to Houston. And Brian Flores, he was here for a long time, but it felt like he was more of an independent-minded guy. Even you can look, their defensive philosophy seemed to change quite a bit when Matt Patricia left and he took over, and I think he was a big part of that. And I think that's part of it because I feel like Judge and Patricia and maybe even McDaniels, they go to these places and they just try to be little Bills, right? Like the old right. cartoon. They just try to be Bill clones, <laughs> and that doesn't work if you're not the superstar that Bill is. Whereas if you're more independent-minded, then I think you have a little more success. Because really, to quote James Harden, Bill is the system, right? He's not <laughs> nice. a, like he is the system, and and I think Brady, you can say that like they were the system, okay? Right. And then there was everything else around them that helped elevate them. But yeah, I, I just think. To me, getting Belichick coaching tree guys, independent-mindedness, if I'm a team, has to be huge for that because Flores and O'Brien were the most independent guys, and I don't think it's a coincidence they had the most success. Yeah, I think the other part of it is you have to realize what branch that Belichick is coming from, and that's Parcells, right? So if you look at the Charlie Weisses, the Eric Manginos, the guys that were closer to the earlier days. Right, Cornell. Those guys had associations with Parcells as well, so – even though they are part of that Belichick tree that kind of stunk some things up, Charlie Weiss did pretty good at Notre Dame and made some noise at Kansas for a second. But again, you cannot really produce, because if anything, Belichick is the superstar that Bill Parcells created, right? Well, can it, well the thing about that, though, KJ, and I'm not yeah. trying to give Bill Parcells a stray here, but... I mean, Bill Parcells won two Super Bowls with Bill Belichick as D.C. and Lawrence Taylor coming off the edge. Right. Uh, did he win another one after that? Like, uh, you know what I mean? I think so. Well, maybe they were the su- like, again, Bill was the superstar in the system. Uh, like, and Bill and Lawrence right. Taylor. And then it was Bill and Tom Brady. Right. It, where and again, like Parcells, is a Hall of Fame coach. He's a great coach. But I think like that's that's part of it. Like these other guys around him have not had as much success when he hasn't been with them. Yeah, you know, I, I've I've heard people say like, "Oh my gosh, if Josh McDaniels shows back up at Gillette 
in Patriot way. <laughs> it's going to be like the effort that Arcan put into his Halloween costume a couple days ago. Like, oh my God, really? You just put on some clothes that you had and and and, and you're just saying you're your younger self? I, I just don't know if there's ever going to be that level of success when the master is still in the league, right? So when they talk about like one of the greatest NFL coaching trees would be Bill Walsh for historians and Googlers. They forget that Bill Walsh stepped away from the game earlier. So the tree could grow without it still sucking up. the. I, boy, this is, what, what is it called? The study of uh, trees and plants. Botany? This is a little botany moment here on the show. Yeah. Where like you, you, Bill's still going to suck up those roots and the water because he's still in the game. You still have to game plan for him at some point. He's going to show up on your schedule. Now, I think with Josh McDaniels. I'd be all in on him coming back, by the way. Really? All in. Yeah, 100%. And, and, who, and, who, and, and you said O'Brien, or, or what does O'Brien go? Yeah, it's a good question. Look, that's a good, if I'm Bill O'Brien, too, I might want to leave after this year and either be yeah. a head coach in college again or, or somewhere else in the NFL. But, look, I think he, I, I would hope for him to come back this year as maybe an advisor, much like he did in the playoffs after the 2011 season, and then either be an advisor next year if O'Brien stays or take back over as the OC. Because, like, look, McDaniels ran their offense for 14 years. They were top 10 in points 13 of those 14 years, including top 10 with Matt Castle and top 10 with Mac Jones. But, so, John, that, that doesn't like, that feed into the narrative that if you believe it was all Brady, then you can bring all these guys back. If you don't bring back number 12, it doesn't matter who you bring back. At some point, you have to move the forward the story well, I, forward. Yeah, but I just said he was top ten with Matt Castle and top ten with Mac Jones. Like they Tom Brady wasn't there and he still got a top ten offense with two other guys. Like that's why I would want him back. I wouldn't want him back just because he and Brady had great success. I also think he's a guy great offensive coordinator, and I think we've seen pretty clearly KJ not really meant to be a head coach in the NFL. Or could you see him as a head coach with Bill as his GM? Uh you know I I don't know. I, I really don't. I, I think after it's tough to chew, two, isn't it? No, but two, after two failed head coaching stints, I, I don't know if he gets another shot. And I definitely don't think it's next year. Like if Bill's not the head coach next year, my choice number one's Brian Flores, but I think it'll be Gerard Mayer or Jim Harbaugh probably. Well, it's got to be something offensive leaning though, because that's been the problem. And if de- if Bill's going to be stepping away, at least he would still be able to get the personnel he believes that can get it done on the field. I don't know how much coaching he'll be able to do. Maybe just <laughs> sit in a film session, guys. But there's going to have to be someone that's going to have to bring the offense into the 22nd century. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like I, I it's got to move it if, forward. If, let's say, like, Gerard May or Brian Flores is your head coach, if you have McDaniels as your OC, then I like that. Or if Jim Harbaugh oh. is your head coach, you probably have a totally new operation. But Harbaugh is an offensive focused guy yeah. and has, you know, improved that Michigan offense over the last several years. So has the heartbeat think, of people under 40, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, right, right. And even <laughs> even when Harbaugh was in San Francisco, like to his credit, he made the move to sit Alex Smith who was a playoff, you know, quarterback, right. brings in Colin Kaepernick, they go to the Super Bowl, Super they Bowl. come a possession away from winning the Super Bowl. Right. And he was they were good essentially every year he was in San Francisco, they were good. So yeah. I, I think that that would be a great choice if they were to move on. My number one would still be Brian Flores with a good OC in place too. It's KJ and Lions on WEEI. Good Saturday to you. 617-779-7937. Text line 37937. Next, the Lions Den. Thanks for hanging out. This is KJ and Lions on WEEI. Beatles stuff, that, that AI stuff. Yeah. KJ and Lions, W E E I. 
thank you so much for starting your Saturday with us or spending your Saturday with us. It's like almost like Atlantic time zone dark. I don't know, John. John, did you see the earlier this week people got so excited that this new Beatles song was released through AI? Can I get a boo for that, Justin? That is absolute trash. Some things need to be left alone. Like, are we going to suddenly have AI paint Mona Lisa a date? Will they put the head back on John the Baptist? Like, some things you just leave be. Yeah, I've actually seen the real Mona Lisa, by the way, KJ. A lot <laughs> smaller than you would think. Like, for right. a painting, it's like... It's almost like an eight by ten. I mean, it's a little bigger than that, but it like I walked in there expecting to see this massive painting. You know, not yeah. at least reasonable. And I was, I was like, oh, that's kind of small. A cool painting and all, but it was. Oh, I was like, yeah, so you've been small. that close. Does Mona Lisa actually have like a little bit of a mustache and kind of like a little? So bit of I, I didn't get quite that close because they have <laughs> no. That, so when you go when you go to the Louvre, if they're authenticating, story, yeah. they they have a. Uh, it's in a glass case on its own wall, and then they have a wooden barrier. Which, if you even start to act like you might go across, there's like five guys in suits that come out of the wall. Some guy did it. He tried to go under the wood and like take a selfie close to the Mona what? Lisa. I don't know where these guys came from. Next thing I know, there's like five guys in suits that just like came out of the walls and were ready to grab this guy and kick him out of the museum. So, uh, moral of the story: you can go to the wooden barrier. Don't go closer than that to the Mona Lisa. They be, be careful what you do when you're in the Louvre. Yeah, I would guess so. Yeah, and it's I mean there was only like five thousand people watching it's you know not like the guy would have got away with it but, well you know the but, crazy thing is why you have five guys come out of nowhere those guys probably each make half a million dollars a year yeah right so because you add up their salaries if that painting gets stolen man that thing is going for the hundreds of millions of dollars oh yeah for sure yeah you know but i still but you didn't get you couldn't get that's right you see you couldn't get close enough i mean i got close to see enough if she to, had like yeah, mustache hair i mean her, i was probably, i want to say it was like 10, this is 10, 10 way feet before away? gillette's yeah 10 10 feet away maybe yeah <laughs> The, fair enough. All right, 617-779-7937. Text line 37937. We're two minutes away or so from the lion's den. Let's get to the text line. Justin Turpin, what you got? We've got this one from, where'd it go? The 774. The Patriot way is about hard work, not being selfish and commitment. It's not easy to find people like that. That's why Braden and Edelman were perfect for it. Right. If you're a sixth-round guy and you've seen how your college coach was pretty much being blackmailed by a guy who was the starting quarterback. I'll go play for the Yankees. I'll go play for the Yankees. You know, because when you start getting college football, and you know this, John, it becomes the recruiting war, right? And if you don't want to run things afoul in the state of Michigan with your own players for a guy who's in California. So when Brady gets here, it's just like, oh, you can put me in the game? Great. Edelman? <laughs> seventh round doesn't mean anything. That's, that's, that's even better. So, yeah, like when here's the, one of the things of those tenets that we talk about the Patriots way. Go all in for team. How many times did Tom convert money into bonuses that he didn't collect it to the end of the year so the team could continue to build year after year? I don't think you're going to see a lot of quarterbacks do that in the NFL today. If that's the thing you want to point to me about Brady, then I say that's a greatness that goes so much further than what's going on the field because he gave up money. I mean, that's why I said he dude's born in a sixth-round manger. I'm surprised he's not from Bethlehem, California. Yeah, and another piece, too, is he would always be the leader of their off-season program up until the last <laughs> couple of years when he wasn't as involved right. in it. But prior to that, I mean, he led the way on a lot of stuff that they did. And, and, and taking less money was huge, but also just his approach every day. And again, like we talked about, it makes it so much easier for other guys to do it when they see the best guy doing it. 
All right, another one, Justin. This one from the 207. Why does Bill have so much slack? You let the best quarterback in the history of the game go. Think about that. Fireable offense four years ago. If Tom was too old to finish his career here at the Supermax price, he wasn't going to win anymore. Really, what are we doing? Where's the logic? Yeah, this doesn't apply to like your office job where you're deciding, do we do we sell the building because we have 35% of the office workforce at home? It's just not the same. Right, like I'm not defending Bill, but you just if you're right at the you're at the crossroads. Do I pay the guy twenty five million dollars a year for two years, and potentially get hamstrung? Well, and I think the slack is over now because I think look, he built up a lot of slack because he won six Super Bowls, and because of that, he was able to overcome letting Brady go and Brady winning a Super Bowl and the coaching staff set up on offense last no, year. No, so I think John. like a lot of coaches would not have gotten away with both of those things. But a lot like of coaches have done, haven't won 300 games. That's, that's my point. Like, So he built uh, up a lot of slack, and he got away with two things that I don't think really any other coach in the NFL would get away with both of those things. So now he's operating much closer to your average coach's level of slack because he already got away with two massive things that a lot of organizations would have fired coaches doing one of those. Pretty much everyone else would have fired coaches for doing both of those except him. So I think that's where now he's operating on a little bit of a different level than he's used to. Yeah, I think the I think the leash or the rope of whatever you want to call it is five years. So through 2024. 2024 is when I think Robert Kraft is going to call, you know, call that margin call in, if you will. Now, if you believe in, you know, after you get into a yeah, bad, you're, you're in a relationship, you guys were together for a while, they say split that number in half, and that's how much time it takes you to fully heal. So split it in half again because they were good for 20 years. <laughs> half of that's 10, and then half of that's five. So it's going to be five years, I think, that Belichick has the ability to turn the ship before I think they cut off the faucet for, for Bell. Uh, one more, Justin, before we get to the Lions dead. The regime must be removed, fellas. Sixty dollars tickets available for tomorrow's game. Regime change. Oh, the the, regi- the sixty dollars tickets for sale tomorrow. Yeah, it's because of Washington. It's it's not a good team coming into town. Hey, I bought one of those sixty dollars. So did tickets, I. There you so go. I'm pretty excited. See? Yeah, but I, I it is interesting because we're going to talk about Craig Bres- Breslow in a bit. I think one of the reasons Heim Bloom got fired. Remember that series against the Yankees with the one dollar tickets? Like, <sighs> ownership doesn't like that. Yeah, well, but the, the college students do, and sometimes that matters. Yeah. And hey, I do, and I, I'm not still a college student. Wish I was. Well, but they I give don't. them up for $9 for the student, the yeah, student nine program. program. So actually, if you were a student, you were getting overcharged most of the year at Fenway. Yeah. But you don't pay for anything when you're a student, especially at one of the, if you're one of the fine institutions here. Like, really, do you bust tables in the South End? Really, do you? I don't know. You, you, you make a phone call home, they send, they, they, they zell it now. They're, that's too slow. If it's not coming zell, it isn't coming fast enough. Unlike when I was at school, it was like, can I can you send you me some Western Union? That's not even that's too slow for these kids yeah. today. 617-779-7937, text line 37937. We're seven minutes away from Celtics talk, but now it's time to get into the dungeon of See the one about lions? Can't lose to this head after King of the Jump. Welcome to the Lion's Den, where Christians and Romans don't have to worry, but players and members of the media and etc. might have to. The first, you just mentioned Craig Breslow, introduced as Red Sox new CBO. He emphasized pitching in his introduction, 
Will he roar, or the Sox continue to meow in last place? John? Oh, I think he roars. I think they're going to be aggressive with pitching. I think they go for Yamamoto. And just look at the pitching market. So I think they go for Yamamoto. But Snell's available. Montgomery's available. There may be some Giolito's available. So there's going to be a lot of guys in free agency and potentially trade-wise that are available. I mean, I, I think they're going to bring in two new starters this offseason. I'm going to have to go with the roar as well because I think the way the last place thing goes, hey, it's last year, then the next year they're not. So, yeah, if you can, because the guy is this expert and kind of like a pitching guru, if you will, he's going to be able to find the good deals on the good players. And he's had the, the stash of being able to, once he was head of pitching for the Cubs, that he's going to know the guys that are coming to fruition. I mean, he's got a couple of prospects that are just almost no miss right now in the Cubs organization. So I like his like his emphasis on pitching. That's where the Sox have to go. They don't really have a problem with hitting. They just have a problem with the other team hitting. All right. Farrow Brown is pro football focuses top graded tight end. What? Will he continue to roar? Or is this just a meow mirage? Yeah, I think it's more of a meow mirage. And, and I've really enjoyed watching him, and I think he's a pretty good player, but he's mostly been a journeyman. I think in a really good offense, he's like your second or third tight end, not the best one, because he's been better than Hunter Henry over the last month. You know why he's probably graded so high is because he's been able to be a lion with antelope inside of a room. Of course he's going to look like he's strong, but, yeah, I'm going with the meow. Most of the time, Farrell Brown has been kind of busted coverage on the defense, and he's been able to break for yards and for extended catches. But you notice they happen to be on the right side of the formation where Hunter Henry used to usually is, and Gasecki is there sometimes now. So I'm with you there. It's a meow mirage. Finally, the Bruins are 9-0, and why do you guys are not talking about it? This is what I'm saying. <clears throat> Will they continue to roar in a tough stretch coming up? Hey, uh, quick aside, KJ. You know the yeah. one team that's better than the Bruins this year? Bruce Cassidy's Vegas Golden There Knights. you go. It's always uh, a little no, stick in the eye. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think they're going to continue to roar. And look, Detroit's really good. They're in second place. Dallas is leading their division. It's a tough stretch coming up. I don't think they're going to go undefeated. But I think they come out of these next five, six games with four wins. I'm going to say they roar as well. And here's why. The Bruins were about... 9-0-1 last year at this time. So if there's anything that they've learned from last year, which I thought was more of a fell wear tour, fell wear tour and that turned out bigger, this team, I think, is going to say, you know what? We've got to get Bruce Cassidy, and we've got to exercise that demon now that he's won himself a championship. So, John, thank you so much for throwing the chum. It's been a pleasure. Ready to do the next hour? Oh, yeah. Can't wait to talk about the Celtics. W-E-E-I, KJ and Lions, thank you so much for hanging out. W-E-E-I. W-E-E-I, New England Sports Original. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? 
Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.